Welcome, a warm welcome to Hope Church this morning and it's great to be in God's house and, and um, I've been entrusted with bringing God's word to you this morning. As I mentioned to you last time I spoke, it was only a few weeks ago and uh, I, I think I mentioned that usually you get quite a bit of time to prepare a word, but not this time unfortunately. This time on Friday evening, uh, Vicky messaged me to say that, uh, uh, can I speak on Sunday? Uh, because Barry, obviously he was going to get back from Poland. I think it was Saturday he got back, did he? And, um, and obviously with Eleanor not being well, uh, could I speak? And Vicky's voice isn't particularly, uh, not there yet. She's not got there yet in, in being cleared. And so um, it was left to me. Um, and so you will, hopefully, you'll... Um, you'll excuse my Morecambe and Wise moment, for those of you who remember Morecambe and Wise. I've got all the right notes, but we're not necessarily in the right places, okay? So, and it's going to be short, because actually before I was asked to preach, uh, this kind of word was, had been on my heart all week. Um, and uh, I just want to expound it for a few minutes this morning, because I think it's important that we understand We've already kind of been told, really, that um, we're in a battle. We're, the, the, the church, and, and specifically, we haven't recognized it yet, uh, because of what God has done um, for us by providing us and being gifted this, this, this tremendous building and land, um, well, the enemy's roaring, and he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it one little bit. And what you tend to find, folks, is that, I'm just going to move this a bit. What you tend to find is just about as you're due to get some breakthrough, whether it's um, in your own lives or whether it's in the lives of the church, the enemy starts rearing his head. And he, he kind of puts the barriers up. And what he does is he tends to start attacking people in the church and he attacks their weaknesses. And this past week, some of you will know, um, some of you will not know, but there have been many people in this church who have been attacked and are currently being attacked. So much so I spent most of my week and the leadership team have and others in the church constantly in prayer interceding on behalf of many people in this church who are being attacked royally being attacked, brutally being attacked. The devil wants to take people out. That's what he wants to do. He wants to take people out in this church. And I believe this morning that as a church, we've got to stand up and we've got to say, no, it's not happening. And we've got to start speaking to those principalities and powers and them rulers and say to them, that we serve a living God, we serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who's died, he's rose again, he's ascended, and he's now sat at the right hand of the Father, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But you've got to know that greater is he that is in you before you can declare that. And so we've been battling this week in prayer 
And there's one particular family, and you may, you may know persecution in your life. You may know difficulties. You may know stresses. We've probably all been there. We've all at some point known the enemy having a right pop. It normally comes through the family. It can come through the church. It could come through your children. It might come through your finances. It might come through work. There are various ways because the enemy is subtle and he's sneaky. And he'll get you when you're not expecting it. And you've been given the authority and the power and the wherewithal to guard against his, his roaring darts that are coming at you. You've got, you've got the authority and you've got the power. It's whether you're willing to stand up and it's whether you're willing to say, I'm not having this anymore. I remember, um, and, and I may have told this story a number of uh, times, so please forgive me, but I remember as a, as a young boy from the age of about five to the age of about Oh, 16, 17, I was bullied royally at school. There was this one particular lad who had it in for me. And you know something, he was only like that. He was like this, but I wasn't, I wasn't specifically scared of him. I was more scared of his mates, because his mates were what used to be called the hard knocks of the school, and there was quite a few of them. So I always thought to myself, if I ever go at him, he's going to get seven or eight of his mates onto me. And so throughout my childhood, going through junior school and going through senior school, I was a punch bag to him. And he used to do it. He didn't do it on his own. He did it when his mates were there. And so when I got to the age of, I think I'd left school and I got to the age of 16, 17, there was one particular weekend and I went on a train trip with my friends to Manchester. And uh, we were on the train and I think I was... Being a naughty lad, and I was just stood around me. Uh, at the time, I think there were these doors that used to be able to open from the, from the outside. And we were messing around. We were not opening the doors, I must say, but we were messing around in that little corridor. And all of a sudden, I'd, I'd, for some reason, I'd got some money out of my pocket. I think it was a £5 note, which to me in them days was a lot of money. Because I think it was on £26.75 a week on the government training scheme. The good old government training scheme. Doing woodwork, and I was absolutely hopeless at it. But anyway... Anyway, it was this £26.75 a week, and I, and I had this, I got this fiver out of my pocket. I don't know what I'd done, but for some reason, I'd, I'd got it out and I'd held it, and next minute, it had gone. Somebody had snatched it out of my hand. And I turned around, and it was this lad who bullied me for years at school. And he was with his mate, and I was with my mates. And he had this fiver, and he was wafting it round as if it was his precious, his precious um, uh, money. And, and I, I, for a split second, I was fearful. I was fear, fearful. But all of a sudden, and I don't know what it was, I went, no, this isn't carrying on any longer. This is just not happening any longer. And I said to him, I said, I won't say his name. I said, you either give me that five pound note back, or you see that window, you're going out this train. <laughs> he gave it me back. Not that I'm big, not that I'm hard, but when you've had 15 years of it, there comes to a point where you say, enough is enough. And you start standing up for yourself. And it's exactly the same with the enemy. It comes to a point where you say, enough's enough. I'm going to start standing up for myself. I'm going to start standing up for my family. I'm going to start standing up for my church. I'm going to start standing up for everything that belongs to Jesus Christ. Because he's my saviour. He's my king. He's my lord. And there ain't no other name but the name of Jesus. And we've got to start doing that. 
And this week, there's a family in this church, I'm not going to name names. In fact, there's, there's quite a few people that I've been speaking to this week, and one person yesterday afternoon, and, and they're getting to the place of giving up all hope because things have got that bad. Their situation and their circumstances, it may be an illness, it may be a job, it may be their family, um, it could be anything, but there's one particular family this week and, and I've been praying for them, the leadership team have been praying for them. And, and I've been a Christian for somewhere around nearly 40 years. And I know what it's like to be persecuted as a Christian. I, 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 I had a very small church I used to pastor. And for about six months, there was this particular guy who attacked me, my family, my church. He attacked the, my work and he attacked the place where we were meeting at. And, and it was horrendous. It wasn't good. And, 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 and you just don't know what to do sometimes, do you? When you're in that situation, you don't know what to do. And I know there's a family this week who have been persecuted and it's gone to the extreme. It's been brutal. It's been brutal. And one of the messages that I was sent regarding this, which really touched me and really got me thinking, was this. I'm not letting the enemy have them. I am not letting the enemy have them. And this is concerning children. I'm not going to let the enemy have them. So I want to encourage you this morning that as we go into a new season as a church, and as we're building church with God, with God, God who's doing all this work and giving us all this, all this land and all that he's given to us, I want to encourage you this morning because um, there is a way out. The Bible gives us explicit ways out when you're in the battle and when you're in the heat and it's it can be hard it can be hard it can be extremely hard but there is a way out and I want to just share something from you this morning it says in scripture our battle is not against flesh and blood but principalities and powers and the rulers in the of, uh, uh, sorry and the rulers I'll get this right when I can read. Um, against, uh, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let's get it right, church, okay? We are in a battle. Your lives will probably, more than likely, at some point, you will find that you are in a battle with the enemy. There's light, there's darkness. The light has overtaken the darkness. They, they, it, it just smashes it to smithereens but sometimes you might say to me well Tony but I just don't seem to be able to get out of this darkness the enemy keeps attacking and I've been down and I've been down for a week I've been down for a year I've been down for 10 years whatever it may be well let me give you some encouragement I want to speak from 2 Corinthians and we've got the scriptures there is it Tracy at the back Neil Trace 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 7 to 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 7 to 9. If you've got your Bibles, I've started, I don't know why, well I do know why actually, um, I started bringing my Bible again to church. And that's not, I'm not trying to be, you know, um, condemn people if you're using your phones or your apps. I've got my, um, my iPad here for my notes. Um, but I, I don't know, I, I love my Bible, it's ripped to pieces and I really could do it getting another one and as I've said before, it's been in the bath more times than soft make, but anyway, um, there you go. So, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 7 uh, down to verse 10. Have we got it up there? Yeah? 
I'm reading from the New, New International Version. I think this is from the... Which one's this from, Trace? Who? What? What did she say? <laughs> what? Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. I am deaf. So, sorry, Chase. So there we go. We have, but we have this, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life, his life, may be revealed in our mortal body. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars. Our bodies are the jars. And what's in our bodies? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the light of life. And we, as Christians, have this treasure. And this treasure is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's good news. There is good news this morning. There's absolutely fantastic news this morning. Because you see, in us, Christ is molding us into something beautiful. Not that you're not beautiful, but you're getting more and more beautiful. Because the Holy Spirit is doing a work in us which will be able to help us in our times of distress and times of trouble and when the enemy comes against us. You see, you will either stand or you will fall when the enemy comes. There's no two ways. It's stand or fall. And I want to give you some weapons to be able to help you to stand. Because I remember a number of years ago, probably, I think, uh, 20, 30 odd years ago, that I was going to church. I'm from a Christian background. I went to a church. My parents are Christians. My family are Christians. And I went to a church, and I went there for a number of years. And um, I started, Lorraine knows this, so she won't, she, won't, she won't worry about it. But I started dating a girl at church. And then about six months, about, no, probably about six months later, I was told by my father that I had to stop dating her. And I couldn't get my head around this. What, what's going on here? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a 20-year-old man. I shouldn't be told who, I'm, who I'm, I should be dating and who I shouldn't be dating. And so that really discouraged me. It really discouraged me to the point that I left the church. Because I thought to myself, I'm not having anybody telling me at 20, 20 years old who I can date. So I left and off I went. And now thinking about it, as the years have gone by and you get wiser... It was probably the right thing to do in the sense of not dating this girl anymore, but to be told that I shouldn't do it by our leadership team at the church, it may have seemed wise to them, but to me it wasn't. To me it was, well, if this is what the church is about, don't want anything to do with it. And so I failed. 
because I found a reason to leave. I found a reason to allow the enemy to let me walk away from what all that God had done for me. And it's easy to do that. It's so easy to walk away. And yet, let's have a look what it says. We're hard-pressed on every side. So hard-pressed is we're being squeezed. You may feel that you're being squeezed at the moment. There'll be people on the outside of this church who'll be after you. They'll be after you because of your faith in God. They'll be after you because of the light of life that lives in you. You'll be tempted outside of this place. I know temptation. I always know temptation. And I have to say, for the majority of my younger years, I gave in to temptation. But as Christ got hold of me, and my, my years have increased, and I've got a little bit wiser, I always say, no. Absolutely not. You're not having what you used to have. And I've got back the years that the locusts took away. And you can get back the years that the locusts took away. Because Jesus says, doesn't he, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You might leave him, but he won't leave you. You may be thinking, I've heard this word before from you, Tony, and I don't apologize for speaking on these, this thing again because the church and people in this church are going through some tough times. And we're called as children and brothers and sisters to pray and to help others that are in need and to get through, to help them get through and to encourage them and to equip them in, in, in season to get through to the other side. That's mine and your jobs. And so you may be feeling hard-pressed because there are those outside who reject the truth and the light of the gospel. And they'll want to get to you. And how are we going to respond? We're not crushed. We often, you know, in, in, the, in the boxing ring, often what happens is somebody gets smacked and ends up on the floor and they're knocked out. And what can happen is that you, the, 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 the referee will count to 10, won't he? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And before they get to 10, the boxer gets up. And sometimes I was reading about a boxer. And basically, he'd been knocked out. Bang. Down. He'd been knocked out. And he got to the count of around 3 or 4. And he was giving up. He was going to give up. He knew that this guy was bigger than him. He thought, if he gets up again, he's only going to get knocked out again. What's the point? I might as well give up. Just get, count me out the ten. And yet when he got to three or four, three or four, he started all of a sudden, in his mind, he started racing. And in his mind, he started thinking about all the people who had inspired him to get to where he was that, that day. He started thinking about all the victories that he'd had in Christ. He started thinking about where he's going to go to and the potential that he had. And he started thinking that I can't give up. I've got to keep going because my victory is just around the corner. 
is coming. And you'll, ten, you'll tend to find that just as your victory is about to come, that's when the enemy will knock you down. And, you've got to, and I've got to be able to say, I'm going to get up. I'm getting up. I'm not going to get counted out. I'm getting up. And I'm going to remember those victories that Christ has given me. And I'm going to remember those days where I've been blessed beyond measure. And I'm going to remember those people, my friends, my family, my church, who, who've cheered me on when times have been rough, who've been loving towards me, who've helped me in times of trouble. I'm going to get up and I'm going to carry on. And I'm going to declare the goodness and the greatness of my God and King. Because he's, I'm not going to let the enemy win. He cannot win. Because Jesus has already done it for you. He's already won. He's already done it on the cross. It's his blood. His blood has done it for you. And you can get up off the canvas. And you can declare, not the enemy. We don't declare the enemy. We don't declare him. He's nothing. He knows what his future is. We know what his future is. We declare the Son of God, risen, glorified, and ascended. And we've got to be able to, as individuals and as a church, to take hold of the battle. Not be fearful in it. Take hold of it. And you've got, to, you've got this battle. I speak, to, I speak. Whenever he comes, I speak to the enemy. Get out of here. I actually, it's a, it's a verbal com conversation I'm having with him. Get out. Get out. You have no place in this house. You have no place in my life. You have no place in my family's life. I declare the protection and the goodness and the greatness of my God. And what makes me laugh? And I laugh at the devil because he's there celebrating. They, you're on the floor and he's celebrating. He's having a party because he thinks he's won. But as you get up and rise, yeah. it's you that's laughing yeah. because you've already won. Yeah. You've already won. Yeah. The victory is yours. Yeah. But get up off the floor. In the most extreme circumstances of your life, I urge you, get up off the floor. Don't go all the way down. Get up. Let him see you. Look at him in the eye. Look at him in the eye and say, the victory's mine. I'm rising. The victory's mine. You can't have me. You can't have my family. You can't have my church. The victory's mine because he's Jesus. And if you think, folks, that you're not going to get trouble in your life, if you think you're not going to get persecuted, well, listen to this. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Oh, how can we count it joy, Lord, when we're going through all this? How do we count it joy? And I'll tell you why you count it joy, or you should be able to count it joy, because there's a joy which is unspeakable deep in the roots of your soul, which is your firm foundation, it's your rock, it's your anchor, so when the troubles come and the waters pass, you're able to stand in joy, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's your strength. Yeah. 
Perplexed? Wow, I'm perplexed all the time. <laughs> Half the time I don't know what's going on. But perplexed. Which means completely baffled, puzzled. Have you ever been completely baffled and puzzled as to why things are happening in your world? Why things are not going the way that you would want them to go? The way that I would want them to go? But God works all things together for good for those that love him. So he works all things together for good. So it's for your good if you are going through trials and persecution. It's for your good. It's for your good. You need to get that into your spirit. It's for your good. It's not nice when you're going through it, but it's for your good. And I get baffled, and sometimes I say to the Lord, I don't know why, Lord. I do not know why. And I've had to come to a point in saying, but you do. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That he knows what he's doing. And we can trust in him and him alone to bring us to the other side, can't we? Of course we can. Struck down. Now you may be struck down and you may be feeling mentally or physically or spiritually attacked at the moment. I know there are people in this church that are feeling physically attacked. I know it. There are people in the church who are feeling mentally attacked and spiritually attacked. And that's difficult. It's hard. It's very, very hard when you've got something which is physically wrong with you and you do not know why God is not healing you and yet you're seeing other people that are being healed. Why would that be? Why would that be, Lord? Why would you heal Joe Bloggs and not heal me? Why would you let me go through this? Surely your words say, by his stripes we are healed. Surely there's scripture which I can declare over my life which says I should be healed. And I can't give the answers to why God doesn't heal some people and heals other people. But what I can say is this, he is sovereign. And his will alone, his will, not our will, his will will bring you through. And he will heal. But the most important part of healing is not the physical, but it's the spiritual. It's the spiritual. Our bodies decay. Our bodies get... I'm going to the gym 50. I'm going to the gym to try and keep it in some kind of shape or form. Me Me and Dave. But it's decaying. But that's okay. Yeah, that's right. You tell them. Lost my train of thought now. Not destroyed. Not destroyed. Do you know why you will never be destroyed as a child of God? The reason you'll never be destroyed is this. Because once you give your life to Christ... He promises, and his promises are faithful, his promises are true, his promises are reliable. He promises he will never, ever leave you or forsake you. Never. 
Never. And so you may have gone years. You may have gone donkey's years whereby you've given up. You come to church, you sing the songs, you pray, but there's no life in you. There's no life in me. The Holy Spirit seems to have disappeared. You've allowed your condition or whatever that might be to reign in you rather than Christ reigning in you. We're having too much of a good time next door. Will you shut up? That's our youth, by the way. Uh, and just to let you know, I didn't, you didn't know, I'm allowed to say this, Paul. Paul and Tracy and who else is there? Emma. Where's Emma? Emma. She's outside. If you want to go and have a look next door, that's a transformed room. That is a room that has been done out for the youth of our church. And it's fantastic. It really is. They've worked tremendously hard. Go and take a look. If you've got youth in the church, you need to go and thank them for all their hard work because they've done a tremendous job. The atmosphere in there is fantastic. Well done, guys, and thank you. So I want to look in Revelation because we need to know or to understand or to have some pointers how do we overcome when the enemy strikes? How do we overcome? Because the key is, is that sometimes we wait for God to do something which will overcome the situation. And yet sometimes God is waiting for us to do something which will help overcome the situation. Because he's already given you the armor of God. And in Ephesians it tells us, read it again, I think it's Ephesians 3, the full, he's already given you the full armor of God to be able to do something about it. But in Revelation, in Revelation chapter 12, we're going to look at, and I'm nearly finished, because I told you it won't be too long today. It's nearly 10 to. Revelation chapter 12, great book, Revelation, book that uh, gives us an insight into the end times, book that can be sometimes difficult to, to understand. But the bits we can understand are fantastic. And God reveals things to us by his word and by his breath, doesn't he? So in, in Revelation chapter 12, and in verse 7, it says this. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The devil's about to lose his place in your life. If, you're to, if you will declare Jesus Christ. If you declare Jesus Christ, he is about to lose his place. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. Now there's your warning folks. That's his aim. It's to lead the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and the angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now 
have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Amen. 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 They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And I've lost it. Just two seconds. It's gone on. Wow. It's gone further on there. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. It's by the blood of the Lamb. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ. So the three weapons that you can use to overcome the enemy in these days for yourself and for our church. The blood of the Lamb. Number two, the word of our testimony. The word, what is your testimony? What is your testimony that you can speak to the enemy to say, I've overcome. I've overcome. I'm a winner. I'm in the victor's hand. He's done it for me. I've overcome. And the third thing is the Holy Spirit of the cross. The cross. And so the spirit that Jesus gave to us and promised us, the Holy Spirit, is by the Holy Spirit, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There are three things. There are lots of other things. Prayer, of course. I remember speaking to this person uh, by message this week, and what they said was this, is that, is that the, the, the family got together, and I pictured this in my mind, the family got together after all this severe, severe hostility towards them, this brutal attack on them, and the family got together, and they worshipped God, and they praised God, and they prayed together. And they saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train and the temple. And they saw Jesus. And they saw that greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. It's, 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 I get quite emotional because I get quite passionate because I love this church and I love the people in this church. And I, don't, I want to see this church flourish. We are just about to go into a new phase. We're going to go into a, a, a new level, uh, which God is going to, is already ordained for us. It's already there. It's in place. It's done. It's ready to go and flow and to move. And what we will find is that when we move into this new season, that we will see so much going on in our lives. We'll see so many salvations in this place. You won't be able to count them like sand on the seashore. You'll see miracles in this place. You'll see signs and wonders. Christine Kane was asked a couple of weeks ago. Christine, we don't seem to see many signs and wonders and miracles these days anymore in the church. For those of you who know Christine Kane, she's, uh, well, I, I think she's one of the best speakers um, that I've ever come across. Um, she's from uh, Greece. 
uh, but she goes to Hillsong Church, I think, in, 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 in Australia, but she travels around, around a lot, does a lot of speaking. And she, her response when they said, you know, what's going on? You know, it's not happening anymore. We don't see miracles, signs and wonders. And her response was simply this, I believe in miracles. I believe in signs. I believe in wonders. And I believe in them too. I believe in miracles. I believe in signs. I believe in wonders. Uh, do you? Do you really? Yeah? Amen. So that's good. That's good. Amen. Praise God. So what we're going to do is that we're going to declare this morning the power of the risen one. We're going to declare the greatness of our God. We're going to declare Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Glorified, risen, and ascended. There's a song which you all know which, which, which speaks about when peace like a river tendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And the second verse goes something like this. If Satan should buffet, if trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded your helpless estate and has shed his own blood for your soul. It is well, it is well with your soul. And so if Satan is buffeting you at the moment, buffet him back. If Satan... He's having a go at you at this moment. Tell him what his future is. If Satan's having a go at you at this moment in time, use the word of God and the word of your testimony to lift the word up before him and tell him, it's Jesus. It's the cross. It's the peace of God which passeth all understanding. I've got this peace. I've got this love. I've got Jesus and Him crucified. It's a battle, but the battle is the Lord's. Take the battle. And you may be in a great place at the moment. I'm not saying that everybody's in that season of battles with the enemy, but I know that there is some people in this church that are. And it may be physically and it may be spiritually. And I want to give some people, I know that there are people in this church, I want to give you an opportunity, but we don't do this too often these days, but I want to pray. I want the church to pray. I remember, you remember, not long ago, Karen Webber used to be part of our church, Mandy's, oh, Mandy's mum, and we prayed for Josh. Remember, Josh was ill. He was extremely ill. He was in hospital. And we opened the door of prayer in church this one Sunday. And Karen prayed for, for Josh on behalf of the saints. And later that day, he became well. He'd been unwell for a long, long time. But prayer made him well. Made him whole. And to see him now, although he's actually not particularly well this morning, but it's not that well, well. It's, it's, just, it's just something else, but it's not concerned with that. And I believe the church has a responsibility to pray for people who need lifting up and encouraging, whether it be in sickness or in health. So we're going to do that this morning. So 
I'm just going to invite anybody that Adam's just going to play along a little bit. We're not going to sing at the moment. We are going to praise God. We're going to praise and worship God in a moment. But there are those that may need to come out and myself and Vicky and Fatman's here and maybe Jeff could come out as well because we're a bit short. Um, come out and we're going to pray. Um, but we're all going to pray. So if we could all stand. 